Good morning. Oh, thanks, Raf. I needed that. It's actually Hewan's birthday today as well, so don't forget him. And we're not twins. <laughs> no, true. It's interesting, isn't it, um, how our work walks with Christ are different because we're different people. We have different gifts, different abilities, and we walk differently. Tracy and I try to walk every week on a, early on a Saturday or a Sunday morning, and we walk along the Yarra, and um, we try to go for an hour and a half, sometimes two hours. But there's a problem. Tracy says I walk too fast, and I say she walks too slow. <laughs> so even doing that is not an easy thing for us because one of us or both of us have to compromise. And I remember when Megan, um, my youngest daughter, when I used to take her for a walk, she was either 200 metres in front or 200 metres behind. She would never walk with you. It was very hard to get her to walk with you, if not impossible. This morning, we're looking at... Ephesians 4:17, which Elaine read, thank you Elaine, which we'll read again as we go through this, this morning. It's titled Walk in Purity. If you don't have your Bibles open, if you could open, turn them to Ephesians chapter 4. I know Elaine just read it, but I'll read um, the verses in chapter 4 again. You can't read it too often, can you? So Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must no longer, must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, 
forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. May God bless the reading of his word. As I said, we'll be referring to these verses and verses in chapter 5 as we go through this morning. I'm not sure if you've ever lived in a foreign country for an extended period of time. Many people are not in their heads, so some have done it. But my guess, never having done it, is that you would have had to need to have changed some of your behaviours or habits. What you did previously in your country of origin would have been okay to do in that country. The culture is different. The expectations are different. Things that would have been seen as inappropriate in one environment can be seen as offensive in another environment or a different environment. I'm told in Singapore, for example, it's illegal to chew gum. Yet you can stroll the streets of Melbourne and have a mouthful of gum and it's not a problem. Living in, the, living in Australia with the culture that we have, which people say we actually don't have any culture, we have laws, but we're not really a country with a strong culture or unwritten laws or things that we do that I'm aware of anyway. Many years ago I was travelling in a foreign country and um, in this country the expectation is that you tip for a service. Every time somebody served you something, the expectation was you would tip them. Now I'm not a tipper as by nature and this was something that was unfamiliar to me because in Australia it's not what we normally do. In this situation, I was at an airport and I'd come out, put my case down, I was waiting for a bus. The bus stopped, somebody hopped out, lifted my case, moved it two metres, put it into the bus and, in effect, put out the hand without physically putting out their hand. Now, I'm a little slow in thinking and I didn't pick up on this straight away, but this person took quite a bit of offence that I did not tip them. It wasn't that I, my intention was to offend them, and I'm sure I said thank you to them, but he was mildly displeased that I did not tip him. Even for the most minor of services, the expectation was you would tip. When we put our faith in Jesus, there are some changes that God wants to bring about in us. He wants changes in our lives changes in our thinking, changes in how we act. Our attitude needs to change. Some of the things we once did are now not seen to be acceptable to God. They may have seemed acceptable before we put our trust in Jesus and they were probably seen by our friends to be acceptable as well. But they now are not worthy of the calling that we have received in Christ. You see, by accepting Christ into our lives, we have acknowledged that we need to change. We acknowledge that changes need to be made in our lives by doing that very thing. By the very fact that we accept Christ into our life, we are saying, I want a change in my life. I need the Spirit of God to indwell me. 
When I was young in my faith, I was fairly sure the way to spiritual maturity was through willpower. Not that I was taught this by anybody in this church or any other church. It was just one of my own deductions. I believed that I wanted to please God and the way you please people in earthly situations is by behaving in a way that pleases them, isn't it? So I thought I'm going to embark, subconsciously I'm going to embark on willpower as a way of changing my life. I had a reasonable amount of willpower so I thought this is possible. I believe that I could will my way to become more like Jesus. I could change my thinking. I could change my actions. I believe that given enough time, willpower would succeed. I would read the Bible, pray to God, then I would try and will myself to change. What happened? You know, you can change some things for a short time. You can actually make changes, but they're very hard to maintain. And not only does it ultimately not work, it's very tiring. And it's biblically incorrect. You know, the Bible is not a self-help book. It's not a seven-step program to a better you. If that's what you're looking for, the library or bookstores are full of them. But the Bible is not one of those books. The Bible is a book of hope. The Bible is about God creating a new you. Not a better you, a new you. You can read the Bible for information or you can read the Bible for transformation. If you read... It has a book of purely do's and don'ts that is for information. If you read it about the story of hope and what God has done for you and how he desires to have a relationship with you and that he really, really loves you to the point of dying on a cross for each one of us, that is about transformation. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You know, the problem with myself trying to become a better me is that self-help can only lead to a life that I can imagine. But God wants to do more, more than we can possibly imagine. Self-help is about the power of one's will. The gospel is about the power of God. Self-help is trying to become something we are not. The gospel is about becoming who we are in Christ Jesus not who we think we should be. In my line of work, part of what I do is renovate old houses. 
And some of these houses can be 100 years old or more. So you can't just go in, knock them down and start again. What normally happens in this situation is the original part of the house is kept intact. It might be two or four rooms at the front. And then over the period of time, rooms have been added on over the years. So what happens is you leave the front original part of the house, knock off the bits that have been added on over time. Then it gets designed and then it gets extended up, down or outwards. And if it's designed well, the new extension with the house has very few compromises. It looks good, it works well and has all the conveniences of a modern house. The original part of the house, while it has been renovated, it looks better, but it still carries the compromises of an old house. The rooms are small, it's often dark, and there are other issues that ultimately detract from the new part of the house. The only way the compromises can be removed is by knocking down the house and starting from scratch. God is saying to us, you need to die to the old ways. I cannot work with the old. You need a new outlook. The old needs to be done away with. It has too many compromises. It won't allow the Spirit of God to fully work in our lives. It says in Christ we are a new creation. If you have put your faith in Jesus, this is your reality. You are a new creation. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and you are attempting to will your way to spiritual maturity, you, like me, will find that it is an exercise in futility. It does not bring about the life that God desires for us to have. It does not serve your family well. It does not serve your church well. It does not produce a God-centred life. If you are, have got to the point in your life where you have put your faith in Jesus, you have made the decision that you need to change some things in your life. You've come to the point where you wanted Christ at the centre of your life. You know, you may have tried many different self-help ideas that have ultimately failed. You may have looked at all, in all sorts of places for a life change or fulfilment that didn't amount to anything. The uniqueness of a relationship with Jesus Christ is we bring nothing to the table. He does it all. Only he can do the true changing when we surrender our lives to him. The words in him or in Christ are the central themes in Ephesians. It says in Christ we are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. 
You know, religions will tell you, here is a book of guidelines. See if you can bring yourself up to this standard. See if you can get to this level. See if you can perform enough good deeds to get there. It's all about you. Focus on yourself to become a better you. Christ says, come to me. I've done it all. Be transformed by my indwelling in your life. Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. For all that, for all that trust in his good work, they will be forgiven of their sins and clothed in righteousness. And God looks down on us and he says, you are my children. You are my family and I love you and nothing you can do will make me love you any less and there's nothing you can do that will make me love you any more. You know, Jesus came to earth and he lived as one of us. He was tempted. He raised people from the dead. He healed lepers. He was persecuted and ultimately betrayed. He then went and died on a cross in our place for our sins and absorbed the wrath of God for each and every one of us. He did what we could not do for ourselves so that we can live with him in eternity in heaven. You know, that is the person that asks us to trust him. I'm not asking you to trust me. Raph's not asking you to ultimately trust him in this way. But that's what Jesus is asking. He says, I want to indwell in your life. I want to work through you. I want you to surrender your life to me because I can do the most amazing things through you. Read my word and see that I am a God of my word. How awesome is that? That is the God that we read about in the Bible. I'm going to read Ephesians 4 again and I'm just going to read from 17 to 26. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. 
Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. You know, the message in these verses is change. Where once in your life, if it felt good, we did it. A lot of our friends were probably doing it, so it seemed like it would be okay. Yet our thinking was futile. Yet Christ says, now that we are new and he has come and we've accepted Jesus into your life and the Spirit of God dwells in us. Yet even though we may have done that, put our trust in Jesus, it's still possible to stumble around in the dark as a Christian. It's possible to be walking around on your daily walk without exercising the Spirit of God in your life. We live like our old self. We have not embraced the daily routine of putting off the old and putting on the new. We need to change our mindset daily, like we do our clothes. As we change our clothes, we need to change our mindset. We need to take off the old self and we need to put on the new. We need to renew our minds. We need to be renewed of attitude. We need to put off the self-centred life and we need to take on the Christ-centred life. This is a routine we must embrace. We need to get in the habit of daily putting off the old and embracing the new. It's not about your salvation. We are saved by grace, chosen by God. And that is a fact from the moment you put your faith in Jesus. This is not about your salvation. This is about our daily reality of letting Christ change us to become like who he wants us to be. The reality of that is we will slip, we will stumble, we will fall over. There's no doubt about that. But there's a difference between slipping up and being mired in clay. And this is what Paul says here. Put off falsehood. Then speak truthfully to your neighbour. Put off falsehood. Don't try to be who you are not. Be honest about yourself. Don't try to betray yourself as something you're not. That's called saving face. Part of being God-centred is becoming vulnerable. Taking off the mask that we wear. In your anger, do not sin. Aristotle wrote this. Anyone can become angry. But to be angry with the right person, to the right degree, at the right time, for the right purpose and in the right way, This is not easy. 
Do not let the sun go down while you are angry, so giving the devil a foothold. Steal no longer, but work so that you may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful in building others up. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, brawling, slander and malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive as Christ forgave you. Imagine if as a church we all agree to make it our priority to have the daily routine of putting off the old and putting on the new and embracing it. Even if as a body believers we took on Ephesians chapter 4, 17 to 32 and said we will read these verses regularly and ask God to help us practice these daily. What would this church look like in a year's time? How would it change the community of Montmorency? The truth of this is, just I cannot make you do this just as you cannot make me do this. But we can encourage each other to do it. We could maybe ask someone to hold us to an account. We could maybe be held accountable for this. If we made the regular routine of speaking truthfully, not sinning in our anger, not letting the sun go down while we are angry, not speaking unwholesome talk, only language that will build others up, No bitterness, rage, brawling, slander or malice. But we are kind, compassionate to each other and we forgave each other as for for Christ forgave us. What would that look like in a church? You know, our prayer for each other should be this, that we have tender hearts so we can fully embrace the truth of the gospel. This letter from Paul This letter from Paul was written to the church and we know that the church is described as a body and it has many parts. And for a body to operate and function properly, all the parts need to be operating as God intended. Each part needs to function for the body to work correctly. Ephesians chapter 5. I'll read that. If you want to follow, that's fine. If you want to just listen, that's fine. Ephesians 5. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because those are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place but rather thanksgiving For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, 
has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them, for you were once for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying here in chapter 5 that if we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, imitate what he does. Walk in the way of Jesus. Walk in the manner that he would have us do. If you are in doubt and how you should act or respond to something, look at what Jesus would do. As I was sitting at home preparing for this this morning, the baby magpies have been born. And you can tell by the colour of them and they're grey and a bit fluffy. And what was happening as I was doing this was the mother, I assume the mother or the adult would fly down into our garden peck into the mulch and while that was happening the baby was behind doing exactly the same thing it was mimicking what the adult was doing and that's what it says here our walk should be following Jesus our walk pre-accepting Jesus as our saviour should be very different after our walk of accepting Jesus as our Lord. A God-centred life is nothing like a self-centred life. Having said that, every person who does not have a relationship with Christ is not full of hatred, going around, involved in every kind of lustfulness, living a self-absorbed life with no regard for anyone else. You know, I've met many people throughout my life who, to my knowledge, do not have a personal relationship with Christ, yet are moral, caring, selfless people. (coughs) And I guess it's the same way for us as Christians. Not every one of us display the fruits of the Spirit. The facts are God made us and he made us to be in relationship with him. And if we are not in relationship with him, he says we cannot please him. 
chapter 5 goes through and it tells us what kind of relationship a Christian should have with the world. Even though we live in this world, not everything that goes on in this world is beneficial for our Christian walk. Not everything that we see, not everything that we hear, not everything that we can observe is beneficial for our Christian walk. So we need to be mindful of who we are walking for and with. You know, the Bible is not a self-help book, as I said. It's not a book of instructions for good living. I'm not sure if you've heard of the, the acronym for the Bible, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. It is not that either. The Bible is the living word of God and that when read for transformation changes lives. Paul speaks here about putting off and putting on, like changing our clothes. I've got a challenge for us all. This week, each time you change your clothes, think of it as putting off your old self and putting on the new. Taking off the selfish and putting on the Christ. Think of it as denying yourself and taking on Christ. Today, as you do that, say, I want to live in the identity that Christ has given me. What is it that we say to ourselves? What goes on in our minds? Do we say, I must do more and try harder? Or do we say, rest more and trust harder in Jesus? You know, there used to be a song we sang here, and I don't think we've sang it here for many times. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. And this is how it started. Let me have my way among you. Do not strive. Do not strive. As we come to a close, it's a challenge to walk with Christ. I understand. I've been trying many years to do it. And as I said, you will fall and stumble. But if you get up with the mindset each day that you are going to take off yourself and put on Christ, he will work through us in ways that we can only imagine. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we stand here this morning acknowledging that we bring nothing to the table before you, that you did it all for us, and we all acknowledge that. We thank you that we know that if we put you at the centre of our lives, that you will work through us and do great things for your glory. I pray now as we go out this week, I pray that you'll help us to not strive to become a better us, but, the, but that we will strive to put our trust, more trust in you so that you can work through us in ways that, only, that we can't even imagine. And I pray now that you'll be with us and bring us back next week. Amen.